0: Brent, welcome to, call, welcome to the conversation. Thanks so much for uh, spending a couple of minutes with us today. No problem. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate you guys having okay, me. Okay, man. All right. So let's, uh, let's get into it. So let, let's start with uh, uh, sharing a little bit about your military background. Um, kind of walk us through the path from graduating college to, to right before you entered corporate America. Sure. Um, so I... Uh, was
1: commissioned as an officer through the Air Force Academy uh, in 2010, so I graduated in May of 2010. Uh, I was selected as um, one of the new lieutenants to take a first assignment during grad school, so um, the Air Force sent me out to Boston, spent a couple years doing a master's program out there during my second lieutenant years. Uh, once that was completed, uh, I then got my first you know, operational assignment, which my career path was doing contracting for the air force and i took a job uh-huh. working in los angeles um i worked initially on contracts that were on the base level and then got moved into sort of the systems level contracting where we were doing work for uh the air force and the department of defense putting satellites up in the space so working with defense contractors on those contracts to get a you know critical military satellites up in the space for for our warfighters and I did that for about three and a half years in LA. Uh, I took a tour out to Afghanistan during that time. I spent a little over four months in Afghanistan doing similar type of contracting work. But in this case, it was sort of uh, infrastructure for the bases and um, some humanitarian aid type of work outside the base borders. So spent a little time out there. And then when I came back from Afghanistan, call it roughly May of 2015 uh, is when I kind of decided to really get serious about focusing on the transition. I had already been talking with Cameron Brooks for a year or so prior to that. Um, and so kind of leading up to my career conference in August, I was working closely with with you and others at the Cameron Brooks company and sort of prepping for that for that transition, which ended up being around the, uh, officially transitioned around the October of 2015 time where I started at Chatham, just
0: soon after that. Okay, that's good. Yeah, so so let's talk a little bit about Chatham. First off, you, when you came to the career conference, so, and this is a question I like to ask people all the time. Before you came to the career conference, did you know? Had you ever heard of Chatham before?
1: Uh, I like that question. I had never heard of either Chatham Financial or working in a in a consultant type of role in the space that we work in so it was uh the first time i ever learned of chatham was essentially the day i got to the career conference and was starting to do my research on each of the companies Mm -hmm.
0: so give us an overview what does chatham financial do high level and then we'll we'll kind of dive into it as we go here sure so i would say at at a a very high level.
1: Chatham Financial is a risk advisory consulting firm. So we provide um risk advisory and consulting for a, a various number of different sectors of, of corporate America. Um, a lot of it has to do with interest rate, foreign exchange rate, and commodity derivatives. So um, it's a little bit heavy on the derivatives aspect, but we do other types of regulatory risk management and and um
0: essentially corporate risk management. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pretend like I don't know anything, and in this case, I really don't know a lot of this stuff, so it's not much pretending. First off, can you define for me and everyone else who's listening risk advisory consulting? First off, what does that even mean?
1: So I think if you kind of look at risk advisory consulting broadly, you might um, tend to enter a space that's a little bit outside of the more specialized risk consulting that chatham does but um you might do risk advisory from a governance perspective or a corporate structure perspective you might do it based on supply chain risk um Mm -hmm. you know customer based risk and and in in the context of saying risk advisory in 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 chatham sense is probably broader than what the meat and bones is of of what we do um kind of narrowing it down the funnel to where chatham calls itself a risk advisory firm
0: Um,
1: imagine you have uh investments in which you have to take out debt to make those investments a lot of times that debt has interest rate exposure interest rates move upward that can be bad because your interest expenses are going to go up Um, similarly if you had an investment that was overseas uh, let's just say, for example, it was in Europe, and down the road, you decided you wanted to sell that asset and return the money to the investors who happen to be U.S. dollar-based investors. Um, fluctuations in the exchange rate between euro and USD can adversely affect the proceeds from that sale. So if if the euro weakens against the dollar, then you'll end up getting more dollars for your sale. But if euro strengthens against the dollar, it will end up costing you more. Um, Sorry, that's actually backwards. (laughs) Let me take a step back. Um, If your investment was in Europe and you were selling it and receiving Euro proceeds, the exchange rate between the Euro and the USD, US dollar, is gonna affect what you convert those proceeds at and ultimately what you pay your investors. So adverse movements in that exchange rate can negatively affect the return on investment for your investors, even if that asset itself is
0: performing well. Okay, so then how do how do companies use derivatives? And maybe you can just for a moment explain what derivatives are to an underlying stock. And I, we don't have to go too far in the weeds here, but you know maybe high level tell tell people what a derivative is, and then how do companies hedge against risk by using different derivative vehicles, whether it be forex or more commodities or whatever it might be
1: sure so i think at the very i guess the most basic level um a derivative is essentially protecting you against adverse movements and the underlying whatever that underlying might be and we'll just use interest rates as sort of the more generic um example but uh just keeping it in the united states let's just say you have a a retail property that you're purchasing and you're going to start receiving rents from the tenants And you're going to use those rents to pay operating expenses and then your debt service that you have Uh, oftentimes in the commercial real estate space your debt service is based on what's referred to as one month libor it's a floating rate index and so you're going to pay you know a spread call it two percent plus one month libor and one month libor changes on a daily basis so if one month libor goes up that can increase your debt service And so a very basic derivative that we help clients put in place is referred to as an interest rate cap and kind of in layman's terms, that's sort of disaster protection or insurance policy. So you're saying that I want to make sure that if LIBOR ever goes above a certain rate, I'm protected Mm -hmm. and I won't have to continue to pay that increased rate. So that's Mm -hmm. one example of a relatively vanilla
0: um, derivative, at least in the interest rate space. Um, Yeah because basically they're buying the option to lock in a certain price, right? They're they're basically providing capital buying an option to kind of guarantee a certain price or in this case a certain interest rate, right? That's right. It's it's sort of I'm going to protect myself
1: such that I don't ever have to pay more than a certain price in this yeah. case an interest rate on, on my underlying loan.
0: Yeah. So so you're, you're practically speaking another language here. And so, you know, when I look at your background, you did Air Force contracting, you have a management degree from the Air Force Academy, you have a master's degree from Harvard, but none, nothing in your background tells me that you are involved in risk advisory and derivatives. And so how in the world, one, did they choose you, and two, did you learn all of that?
1: Um, that's a good question, Pete. Um, so if I remember correctly, the job description for Chatham talked about something to the effect of bringing on star performers who are going to work together as a team, delivering good service to clients. And it you know kind of goes back to the quote in Good to Great, where it's saying get the right people on the bus and then figure out where you need going to drive. Um, and in, in Chatham's case, their sort of philosophy, at least as my understanding goes, is that They know that there's probably a very small uh swath of you know young professionals that have direct experience in, you know, advising on and trading derivatives. So um I think from their perspective, they were just looking at you know, motivated young or relatively young, uh transitioning military officers that were gonna be team players, they were you know motivated and intelligent. And I I think that some of the quotes that I heard as I was Talking to the to the HR folks and various members of Chatham was, you know, we we know that we think that you're going to be an excellent member on the team. We'll, we'll teach you the derivatives when you get here, and yeah. so my derivative background was limited to maybe one or two generic classes in undergrad and grad school. But sure. even even those classes didn't necessarily give me a, a huge foundation in derivatives or derivatives trading.
0: Um. You know, I I think you can take your, or we can take your example here, which is a very specific example, but we see it in other areas as well. You probably remember my background, or you may remember my background. I sold medical devices to surgeons in the operating room. I have a systems engineering degree. I was a field artillery officer in the Army. And so it's the exact same concept. And the reason I want to highlight that, not to talk about me, but for everyone listening, you know, a lot of times I hear people concerned about getting into something that they don't have any experience in. But the big pull through in Brent's experience here is, you know, like you said, he didn't have a ton in risk advisory and derivatives. Um, but but what Chatham was doing is they were looking for hardworking, like I said, hardworking, intelligent team players. And look, we can teach you the derivatives or we can teach you the med device or we can teach you the manufacturing or we can teach you the whatever. We just want people that want to learn it, motivated, hard-charging kind of individuals. And so I'm really glad that you talk about your experience because it's one that I talk about a lot. The only thing I want to dig into that's a little bit different is sometimes I talk to people and help me with this because I think Air Force contracting maybe not completely functionally relates, but relates on some level. Sometimes I talk to people that, you know, they have a lot of experience, let's say, in the operational space. You know, let's use the Army and field arts. uh, Let's use the Air Force and um, aircraft maintenance or logistics readiness, where a lot of their experience is real hands-on, real operational, real team leadership. And I hear people say, well, I want to get away from that. I want to go try something completely new. And the thing that I talk to people a lot about is don't leave your experience and your skill set just for the novelty of trying something new. And while you didn't do derivatives in the Air Force, you know, generally speaking, I feel like your career field at least was relatable to the nature of the work you're doing now. But I may be stretching that a little bit. Can you weigh in a little bit more on that?
1: Absolutely. Um, so you're exactly right in the sense that what I was doing on a day-to-day basis, working, you know, space launch contracting the Air Force, does not directly relate to the specific Kind of mathematical or technical skill sets that come into play with derivatives trading or derivatives modeling um, i spent a lot of time while working in contracting in the air force doing essentially cost modeling and a lot of excel work such that you know working through relatively complex modeling was not something that i you know, came into chatham completely at square one so i think mm-hmm. just being comfortable with you know large data and like synthesizing mm-hmm. that data understanding what it means taking something from that large data set and then kind of speaking to that in a manner that you can you know comfortably do in front of a client or in front of your commander or whatever it may be so mm-hmm. just the gen the gen the general um i guess finance and uh, modeling aspect of contracting i think definitely gave me a good foundation when stepping into the derivatives world um the second piece of it is Uh, you know, in, in the contracting world, you essentially are managing relationships. A lot of times it's relationships with different program offices, whether it's, you know, you're working with one satellite program office on a contract while you're working with another satellite program office on another contract. And then you have the end user who needs the satellite, the satellite launched by X date. And then you have the contractors themselves that you're working with. You're sort of balancing and managing relationships. You're talking through complex scenarios or complex modeling with those stakeholders on the phone in a way that you want to make sure is understandable for those stakeholders. So, you know, that part of the job that we do uh, at Chatham is very transferable from what I had done in the Air Force. And a lot of times when we're talking on the phone, much just like we are right now, Pete, um, you're talking to someone, and in this case, our client who might be a commercial real estate investor about something that's not really their bread and butter and it's something that they know that they need to understand for risk management but you have to learn how to speak their language a little bit um, in order to take something that's relatively complex
0: and, and kind of put it out on a plate that's digestible um i do want to ask you one more question about chatham you i i was uh just in preparation for the call i went back and grabbed all of you know the material all the file all the stuff we did Together and at the conference, you know, you 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 almost had a perfect conference. You had an exceptionally strong conference. Just about every company said yes to you, and you marked or you ranked Chatham as your number one company after interviewing with all uh, looks like twelve or so companies here. Um, Why was Chatham number one coming out of the conference? Um. So I'll probably say a
1: couple things um very first impression so yeah, obviously i had the first impression of reading the job description i mentioned the fact that they're just looking to hire you know motivated and intelligent and teamwork type of people who can join their team to help you know bring good outcomes for clients that's obviously a good uh a good trait to be looking for as you're transitioning out of the out of the military but uh, I, I remember when i stepped into the interview there were a couple of people from chatham both whom were former military who were interviewing me and one of the first things that they told me was, look, Brent, I want you to sit down. I want you to take a breath. I want you just to relax. I don't want you to feel uptight. I just want to have a conversation here. No need to feel stressed. You know, let's just talk as, you know, in this case, man to man. And so it kind of really like let me, you know, lay my shoulders back a little bit, feel a little bit more comfortable in my shoes and and really connect with the individuals who are interviewing me. And then I think the third piece of it that was interesting to me and what kind of caused me to look at this as a number one choice was it was from my, at that time, from my understanding, something that I felt like was very interesting, very complex, and also very challenging. Um, It kind of met some of the initial criteria I had as I transitioned out of the military. I was looking for something that was more in the consulting world. But I also was looking for something that had a finance aspect to it. Um, there's some consulting that puts you on the road quite a bit, and there's some Wall Street type of finance that keeps you working, you know, incredible hours every week. I think I kind of got the best of both worlds in some sense with Chatham. There's much more flexibility. You're not on the road every week. There's not this, you know, eighty hour work week mentality there. They're very very good about work life balance. And so, you know, Obviously, coming out of the the, uh, the conference, I didn't necessarily know those things, but I, I got those kind of anecdotes from the individuals who I who I was interviewing with.
0: Mm-hmm. So, what do you? Okay, so and maybe maybe we've already talked a little bit about this, but you know, can can you give us a sense of your day to day? Like, what first of all, what do you, what do you do? What are you responsible for? How are you measured? And then secondly, then then therefore, what does your day to day look like?
1: absolutely so kind of at a high level what my job is to my job is to manage client relationships um and in my particular role i manage relationships with clients that utilize multiple services at chatham so we obviously have a derivatives advisory service where we're um, advising on derivative structures and helping clients trade those structures with various banks we also assist clients with managing their overall debt portfolio so we have a online debt management platform that clients use. So there's an aspect to what Chatham provides that's in that realm. There's also an accounting piece to what we provide for clients, especially those that have to report GAAP accounting. So we have sort of experts in the debt management space, we have experts in the accounting space, and then we have experts in the derivatives advisory space. And typically, someone on the derivatives team will take a lead as the overall relationship manager for that client that utilizes all those services. So that's Sort of one of my hats is to you know manage and sort of court that relationship along to make sure we're providing the best service um the types of clients that i work with are typically private equity and private real estate investors and, and developers so um think of any large retail office building mall industrial center those are the type of properties that our clients are investing in and um, I primarily serve those on the on the West Coast. We have an office out in Pennsylvania that serves them on the East Coast. Um, so that's kind of what the profile of my clients look like. And then as far as a day-to-day, um, you know, every day is a little bit different, but overall we're working with multiple clients at a time. who are all looking at different strategies, whether it's foreign exchange or interest rate trading um, for various hedges that they have or need to have on their books. Um, I answer a lot of calls, talk through scenarios with clients. I dive into analysis and provide uh, provide that to clients and then hop on phone calls and talk through it. And then once everything kind of comes to a head and they're ready to execute, we sit on the side of the table of our clients when they're talking to the banks to make sure that as we do the trade, the bank themselves are providing a fair market price for that particular derivative. Okay
0: so who who are you talking to then specifically obviously you're talking to people who who understand the need for kind of hedging with derivatives and kind of managing risk through all of this like who who are the individuals that you you're daily engaging with
1: um so it kind of ranges all the way from you know, an asset manager who has their own specific asset that they're responsible for group of assets they're responsible for that might be someone who's you know call it three to five years into the end of their career at this particular real estate firm all the way up to the cfo of the company for a lot of them um, it it sort of depends on how much involvement the cfo wants or needs to get into but um our interactions can be across the gamut most of the time, it's someone who sits directly below and reports to the CFO. Uh, that might be the head of capital markets at that, you know, head of debt and capital markets at that particular firm um, or, you know, the head of portfolio management at that firm. So, you'll end up speaking to, you know, anyone that is, call it, in their mid to late 20s to someone who's been in the industry for 30 plus years.
0: So, how how did you, just very quickly, and we'll move on to a different topic, how did you... Um how did you get spun up with that? Did you, did you take a class? Did you do, you know, watch somebody else do it for months and months and months? Or how how did you get to the place where you feel comfortable advising? I mean, it's been years now, right? You've been doing this for a good long while, but, you know, take us back to that first six months. Like how did that, how did you get up to speed basically? Um, so I would say a foundational piece of it is
1: there's essentially a incredible amount of coaching that gets done at Chatham, and so they're never going to put you out on a limb and kind of sink or swim when you first start. Um, mm-hmm. Going back to the whole teamwork concept, you know, everyone is more than willing to take a you know a minute, set down everything they're doing, and help you work through a problem, help you address a client question. And if that question comes direct to me, I might work with one of my teammates to. to produce some kind of analysis and answer to that question. But if, but if I get asked to hop on a call and walk through that, I'm going to have one of my teammates that's a little more experienced helping me through that call, you know, who has had similar calls or talked through similar types of problems. So there's that piece there's on the job training like that. We've done professional education through Chatham where we have the opportunity to get certificates in real estate finance. Uh, there are various uh, conferences or, you know, essentially, compressed classes that I've been sent to. So, you kind of find yourself learning more and more about what our clients are thinking about and how they how they operate through a combination of all those things.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, that's super helpful. I mean, that I think the, the work that you're doing is, is unique and a little bit different than a lot, many of the roles that we see. And it's certainly, it's definitely unique in general, but I mean, I, I just think it's even a little bit more unique. And so, uh, that's great. Thank you for walking through that. Okay, so next question I have for your next topic, at least, is um, is uh, you started your career in Pennsylvania. You now live in Denver. Uh, walk us through how that happened, because, and, and the reason I think it's important is because um, location, as as you probably remember, right? I mean, location is important to everyone in this transition, and so, um you know getting to good locations that you want to be in may or may not be a thing i think the preponderance of people who come to this program wind up in places they want to be initially but it doesn't always quite work out that way tell, tell us about your experience with starting in Pennsylvania being in now being in Colorado like help us understand more of that
1: absolutely and and i can totally relate to the um you know the location preference Struggle that people have as they're transitioning from the military. Um, I think so. From my perspective, I, I think at the end of the day, I wanted to find the right fit, and whether that happened to be in Pennsylvania or somewhere else, um, Chatham felt like that fit in um, the role that was offered to me. It was a, and I haven't mentioned this yet, and it's another reason why I was interested in the company. It was a leadership rotational program, and so. Um, there was an aspect of it that required me to be on a few different teams that are only in our headquarters in Pennsylvania. And so I started out rotating across various teams within the real estate sector for you know the first 18 to 24 months of my time at Chatham. Um, you know, I I knew as I was moving into the company that they had other offices. There's one in Denver, there's one in Pennsylvania. There's a few that are overseas as well and you know obviously you you need to manage your own expectations going into it but um, i was willing to accept pennsylvania as a long-term option Um, as i came into the company and you know fast forward 12 or so months from when i started the denver office was relatively small at that time which is probably part of the reason why they didn't want to have a new person start in that office but as i gained experience They recognized that, you know, I had a general preference to be moving a little bit closer to the West Coast and it sort of aligned with what the needs were of the company at that time. And so, you know, it worked out for the better in the sense that I got to move somewhere where, you know, I might have put higher up on my preference list. But at the end of the day, I was willing to, you know, take that opportunity in Pennsylvania and run with it with the understanding that, you know, time will tell and opportunities will come up and this is not, you know, I'm not having to think about permanent life in Pennsylvania, so to speak.
0: Gotcha. Now, and how did that conversation come up or how did you manage it professionally? You just walk up to your boss one day and say, Hey, I'm I want to make the move or did they, did your company approach you? So that's a good question too. Um,
1: initially the rotations were, were planned to be mostly in, in Pennsylvania. Um, kind of along the way, both when I was looking at the offer, and as I was going through rotations, I had kind of just mentioned that, you know, I, I would love to have an opportunity to be out in Denver to the extent that it makes sense with what the company needs. And there's timing that works for Chatham. I would be interested in an opportunity to the extent that comes up. And, you know, it wasn't in any way me saying, Please send me to Denver as soon as possible. It was more right. Just let me keep you up abreast as to, you know, what I would be interested in doing if the opportunity arose. So it turned out to work out great. Um I have no I, I had a great time working in the headquarters. It gave me an opportunity to meet, you know, a, a lot more people who were who are the decision makers and the managers and the leaders of the company. So, you know, that that time. Even if it was somewhere that I wasn't familiar, or was far from family, or anything like that, it was it was very well spent, frankly. Yeah, that's great.
0: Yeah, I have a similar experience. We're we're we live in Texas. My wife and I are both from Texas, but we spent uh, a number of years and a few more than a few, but not less than a number, perhaps, of years in New Jersey, and we just absolutely loved it. Loved our neighborhood. We loved our neighbors. We we loved going to New York City and Boston and D.C. and Hershey, Pennsylvania and Philadelphia. And I mean, we just had a great adventure for a handful of years. And then, you know, when we were done, we came back to Texas because that's how corporate America works, right? You get to control your career at least to a large degree. So, um, let me ask you a couple more questions here, and then we'll kind of we'll kind of land the plane here. Let's talk about success at Chatham thus far. What's one or two things that you feel like you bring to the table every day? Something that, a couple of things maybe that you think people who are looking or aspiring to be where you're where you're at and want to kind of get in that direction, what are a couple of things that you do every day or often that that'll, has allowed you to be successful?
1: Um, that's a great question. Um, so I think something that is pretty common in transitioning military officers is essentially just the willing to put in the work and really grind to, you know, get yourself in a position where you're relied upon and, and you're feeling comfortable in the position and, and whether that means, you know, maybe doing a little bit extra studying or uh, working with peers that are in the company that are doing something similar, but have a little more experience, you know, kind of just the drive that military officers have is I think one of the biggest valuable assets that, that companies see And so, you know, at Chatham, I happened to start out on a team that had a very busy, high flow, um, kind of at capacity workflow. And the folks that I joined the team, when the folks who were on my team when I first joined, they essentially, they essentially saw someone that they could help train to start taking on some of their workloads so that their capacity opened up. And I think, you know, my first team lead that I had at Chatham, he gave me the advice that, um, you should always strive to make your you know your boss or your leader's job easier whatever that means and so you know every day when i'm coming into the office and i'm tackling things that come up from clients uh i'm always looking to see how i can perform in a way that makes my boss's job a little easier it takes some takes some of the mental shelf space and frees it up for him or her so that they can focus on you know more bigger picture type of items so i think a combination of just being willing to dive in and, and work hard and um, become a you know a, a valuable team player as soon as possible and to think about kind of a step ahead or a maybe a step above you what can i do that will make you know my team lead or my boss's job easier
0: good yeah sounds good anything else i don't i don't mean to apply pressure here that's a good one anything else that we can use
1: um you know at least in in, in chatham stands as far as being successful a lot of it too has to just be has to do with being interested and eager in the work that you do um yeah something that you have a passion for and you know when you when you're interested and eager to work and you're someone like me who comes into a company that, uh, works in derivatives transactions for real estate companies. That's not anything close to what my background was, you know, asking the questions, being eager to learn, um, you know, listening to phone calls from some of your peers or team leads and asking questions when they get off the phone and saying, Hey, you know, you're talking to the client about this. Can you tell me what you guys were talking about and, and you know, help me understand what that was. So, I mean, Overall, just having that, you know, passion and eagerness to be, uh, to be progressing in whatever industry or sector you're actually working in. That's
0: good. Do you get to? Do you get a chance to interact with? Yeah, I know you work with some former military folks. How, how much interaction do you have with uh, with former JMOs or just military in general?
1: So I I keep a pretty good contact with, you know, obviously most of the folks that I went to school with in undergrad and then over the years, you kind of expand that and work with people who are, I know there's a lot of people that I worked with in Los Angeles that made a transition in a similar fashion or, or a similar time. And we're always keeping in touch and keeping each other up to date on how things are going. Um, I've connected with a few folks that working, are working through Cameron Brooks and down on the phone with them and kind of talk through my experience and share with them my thoughts on you know, how my how my transition went and, and what they should be thinking about, um, you know, Chatham is a pretty military hiring-friendly company, so um, sure. there's a large number of military folks that work at Chatham as well. And so, obviously, I keep in touch with them is, as my career progresses. I've, I've noticed that, you know, the, the more senior former military folks at Chatham are, are great resources to just understand, from my perspective, a career path that, you know, is a successful one at least in Chatham's eyes
0: when you're coming from the military. Um, two more things. I know I keep saying the last thing. I always like to ask this question because I think it does help some, some people who listen to the podcast are really into doing additional, um, um, self-development and kind of digging into things. So are you reading anything or listening to podcasts or anything that, that, uh, that you found particularly interesting in maybe the last year or so that, that you think others might find interest in?
1: Yeah. Um, I would probably point to what I've most recently been, I guess, reading or have read and, and listened to. Um, there's a book called Tools of Titans and it's by Tim Ferriss. And some people may have heard of him because he wrote the book, four hour work week and a few other variations of that. So um, Tools of Titans is a great book. It's a good, uh, you know, digestible and piece by piece book where he goes back to interviews that he's had with, Essentially, the world's top performers, athletes, uh, world-class performers, you know, billionaire investors, mil- successful military leaders, and kind of pulls apart what you know got them to the point that they're at, sort of the top of their class in whatever realm they're working in or, or or performing in. So he takes all those interviews, which actually happen to be from his podcast, and sort of synthesizes them into a book where he kind of takes away the big hitting points from each of these individuals. And, uh, you know, the book is broken out based on healthy, wealthy, and wise. So the first piece is about personal health. Second piece is about overall finance. And the third piece is just overall kind of broadening your, your knowledge. And so that's been a book that I've recommended to people who are, who are looking for something to read as they're looking for personal development. Um, his podcast is great as well. So
0: sure, sure, sure. Um, and then final question is uh, any parting advice, any, you know, or maybe, maybe another way to look at that is think about you, you know, almost five years ago, as you're getting ready to embark on a new career, leaving the air force, starting a new career. What would you say to to yourself five years ago, the advice that, that maybe would have shaved a couple of uh, points off the learning curve or something along those lines?
1: Um, yeah. I mean, I think, and i guess in hindsight i had an opportunity to be out in the pennsylvania office where you know most of the company sits and i did my best to make sure i built relationships while i was out there and and uh kind of got to know everyone across the company and you know that was a time period that i had out there for a little over a year where i could have maybe taken a little more advantage of sort of embracing being in kind of the the front center lines of of Chatham. and so i think that that You know, that's one personal piece of advice I might take away for myself, you know, rewinding four or five years ago. Um, for someone who's just about to make the transition or, you know, is thinking about what's coming next. Don't, don't let the anxiety get to you. You should be excited. Um, I think the uncertainty kind of, uh, wore wore on me a little bit just because it's a, it's a big move and it, it can be scary, but it's amazing how you'll feel when you, you know, when you get one or two or five or however many years into your profession, it's amazing how good you're going to feel. And when I think back on myself, I I often wonder why was I so nervous? And so,
0: Mm -hmm. you know, being confident and excited about it is what I would, I would suggest. That's cool. That's good. I want to, I want to tease that out just a little bit, if I may. And so when you're saying, you know, uh, when you say being nervous, t- tell me what that means. I, I feel like I get a sense of what you're saying. I think I know what you're saying. Like there's no reason. I mean, you're you, you, these are accomplished individuals who who have earned the right to build relationships like in, in the corporate office, build a relationship with some high, uh, some high people in the company. It, it, tell me more about what you're saying.
1: So I think, um, I mean, at a very basic level, uh, my nervousness or, or kind of anxiety was about well, what if I select a job and six months in I realize I don't like it. You know mm-hmm. that's probably the one of the bigger concerns. And mm-hmm. to that, you know, I think you need to just be all in for whatever it is that that you know lights your fire as you're going through your interviews. You need to be all in on it and um don't focus on what about 6 months from now focus on mm-hmm. well, maybe a handful of years from now i find a pivot time and and i you know i take that opportunity um and then you know the second piece which is just the general nervousness is what if they hire me and they think they're going to get something but it turns out i wasn't the right fit for that and mm-hmm. for that uh it kind of goes back to my own self criticism of, of just be confident As you said, Pete, these are highly polished and and hardworking individuals coming out of the military and, and you'd be surprised at, uh, how your view of the world and your way of taking on projects is, is a, you know, a a big asset and and looked very fairly upon by companies. So Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's something that, you know, you'll find, they'll find a lot
0: of value in. That's right. So be confident, go and stand on what you've done. And, uh, and, and, and most people figure it out obviously, but uh, that's really good advice because I think that that is common. It's like, well, you know, a little bit of uncertainty, you know, I, I don't know this industry and and I think there's good, uh, you know, I think humility is bred from that. So I don't think that's a bad thing. I think humility is a good thing, obviously, but, uh, but I do think that there's a, there's a, we can be confident. We former military officers can be confident making this transition and being successful in corporate America. That's great. Thank you, Brent. This is uh, this is good. Especially, you know, I I just think that people are going to be interested in this conversation because you do such a, a neat and unique thing that a lot of people are interested in. And so, uh, very very insightful in terms of what you do and how you got there. So, thank you for uh, thank you for spending a couple of minutes with us today.